Thanks for listening to the Imago Day podcast. If you live in the Portland area, we'd love to invite you into the life of our community. You can find out what's going on at idcpdx.com slash events or on social media at Imago Day PDX. Good morning. Um, uh, Pastor Michelle, thank you for such a gracious introduction. And uh, I'm really grateful to find out this morning how much I really do know, um, which is a, a lot. Yeah, I'm really quite remarkable, actually. What a gift, what a gift, what a gift. I love it. Oh. Uh, this morning, uh, I have the privilege of getting to uh, read Scripture with you and uh, take some time and reflect on what God uh, might be saying uh, to you, Imago. And so, uh, can I just say good morning, Imago? Good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning and to get to share in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, and the Father's love. Um, I'd, I'd like to invite you, if, if, if it's possible for you, to find your way to uh, the scriptures this morning and find your way to Numbers chapter 20. Uh, if you happen to have a copy of a physical Bible, find your way to Numbers 20 or uh, in a digital version or for, um, for the rest of you who have memorized it, just listen to your heart. Numbers chapter 20. Um, it, I, I'll be candid with you. Um, when I was uh, invited uh, by Pastor Rick I don't know, maybe six months ago, to consider uh, joining with you today. Um, I, was, um, I was not anticipating in my own spirit and heart as I drove up this morning uh, from Eugene where I live. I was not anticipating the complexity I would feel in my heart about preaching uh, on a Sunday like this. Uh, you know, I think, I think anybody who has healthy um, emotional relationships uh, tries their best to enter into relationship as other people need. Um, and I, I, in, in a sense, I, I come this morning recognizing, uh, and I think it's worthy of naming, recognizing that there's probably a complexity of emotion this morning for you. Um, there, there may be some tiredness in the room. Uh, there may be some exhaustion. Um, there may be some sadness. Um, it, if I'm candid with you, uh, I'm sad this morning. Uh, Pastor Rick, for me, was almost an apostle, is an apostle in the faith. I don't say it in the past tense. He is. But his ministry, for me, has, has been um, uh, uh, really second to none. So there may be some ambiguity, some, some complexity, some sadness, um, not knowing what God is going to do. And, and so it, it's in that that, that I want to preach, know, recognizing the relationship of what this looks like this morning. Uh, I was recently on a, a road trip with my son, Elliot, who's 11, and uh, it was a rare moment um, in our family. I took him uh, through McDonald's, <laughs> and he, uh, we, we finished kind of eating this, this breakfast meal, and um, he, he said, hey, he's sitting in the, in the front seat with, with me in the, the, the front seat, and he goes, hey, Dad, you know, I've, I just realized there's like different, there, there's like different kinds of full. So what do you mean? And he goes, well, every time I eat at McDonald's, it's like a throbbing full, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a throbbing full. And it's true. Th th I mean, in, in, in a sense, there's, there's a different, there are different kinds of full, right? There's, um, there's the like painful full of like, oh, what did I just eat? There's the, the like, the, 
the, the like the, the full where you've received what you need but you're not weighed down. There, there's different kinds of full. And I also recognize that there's different kinds of sermons in our lives. There's different moments when we need to be um, corrected, right? There's mo- moments when Jesus needs to correct us. There's moments when uh, we need to um, be reminded of our identity and who we are. And there's moments that we need to be encouraged. And, th- and that actually is where I want to land today, is I, is I want to offer you a reflection of encouragement. And I want to talk about a theme that for many of us is, is going to be pretty apropos to our moment in time. And that is I want to talk about the theme in the Bible, the theme of wandering. The theme of wandering. The theme of wandering. And, and I say that to say that the more you follow Jesus, this may be your experience. I, I know it is mine. Maybe you've experienced this as well. The more I follow Jesus, the more and more I love God like with all of my heart. And I have absolutely no idea where I'm going. Does that hit home for you? That's like every Tuesday for me. That's like every week for me. Is I love God, like ins- I, ins- I insanely love God with everything inside of me. But the more and more I love God, the less and less I'm convinced I, that I know exactly where I'm going. You know, in, in, the, in the Bible, you have a, you have a theme uh, th- that's actually pretty similar to that. And it's a, theme of, it's a theme of wandering, and that is that the more and more you read the biblical landscape, the more and more you find that there, there are so many people in the Bible whom God has called to himself and set apart for very important God-ordained purposes. And, and, and God just happens to leave out exactly what's going to be happening to them. When Jesus calls uh, uh, John, he, he never tells John, you know, come and follow me, John. And he never tells him, you know, eventually you're going to be uh, alienated on an island where you're going to write a book called Revelation that for 2,000 years people are going to misinterpret. <laughs> he didn't know that. He had no clue. He didn't tell Peter, come follow me. He didn't know, Peter didn't know that eventually by the end of his life he'd be crucified upside down in his love for Jesus. Jesus, God comes to Abram and says, come to a land I will show you. In in Genesis 12, he comes to him and he says, come with me, I'm gonna give you land, a people, I'm gonna give you a blessing, I'm gonna give you progeny, I'm giving you the promise. And through you, God is going to do great things. Completely leaving out all the difficulty Abram's gonna have to walk through. He had no idea. To say nothing of the fact that God never actually shows him where he's going. Yeah. You see, God says to him, come to a land. I will show you. Maybe you've experienced this. Where, where you're flying somewhere. Uh, I was recently on a trip from Eugene to Seattle, or Eugene to Los Angeles, and I show up to the airport, and I, it's like a seven-hour flight. And it dawns on me that in order to get to L.A., I have to go through Seattle. And that very often in the kingdom, the way that God gets you where he wants you to go is he takes you through Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> And that he often takes you in the direction you never thought you'd go. But the good news is, folks, this morning, Jesus is king. He knows where you're going. You have a future. You have a hope. 
You may not know it now, but your future is glorious. Numbers 20. The context for us, our reading this morning is that Moses uh, had led Israel out of Egypt uh, by the hand of God. And they had come to a place called Mount Sinai for a better portion of about a year where God had given the Ten Commandments, the Ten Best Ways, my wife calls it, or the Decalogue. And then upon receiving these commandments, the covenant way of walking with God, they begin heading north towards what is called the Promised Land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Um, But of course along the way, um, they have a bit of a hiccup. By the way, uh, what would normally have taken about four weeks from Mount Sinai to the Promised Land is going to turn out to be about 40 years. And this is why. Numbers chapter 20. In the third month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam, the sister of Moses, died and was buried. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron, and they quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Listen to this, verse four. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die? And by the way, just a little comment here. Notice the the pronouns here really, really make a big difference. Notice that the community says to Moses, why did you bring us out of the land of Egypt? Uh, A counselor probably would call this projection. And look at what they're doing. They are projecting upon Moses their frustration with God. We do that all the time. Uh, We love to blame people for things that really we're actually kind of upset with God about. Why did you, you know, it's interesting, my wife and I uh, have experienced in in total about 10 years of infertility. We have one son, uh, and we have longed for more children. We have longed for more. And I can take you back at moments in our history where I have gotten angry at people for the fact that the Lord has not provided for us more children. I think we do, I think we do that all the time. Why didn't you bring, Moses wasn't the one who brought them out of Egypt. God was. Why didn't you, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has, look at this, no grain or figs, pomegranates, or grapevines. And there's no water to drink, they say. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock. Notice the commandment. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will pour out water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and said to them, listen, You rebels. Again, a counselor would call this projection. (laughs) Look at what Moses is doing back to them. You rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? He is orienting his frustration towards the people. 
Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock. He didn't speak to it. He struck it twice with a staff. And water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. God, this morning, God, this morning, would you speak to your people about the journey ahead? You know, in the, in the Bible, wandering. It, 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 for the next 38, 40 years, Israel's gonna wander. It would be easy for you and I to just assume that like all wandering is bad. That if you wander, if you don't know where you're going, that you're a failure, that something has happened and you, you have botched it. Like you don't get it, you don't understand. And there's, there's this secret group of people out there who know exactly what they're gonna do with their life. And there may be a few of us scattered in the room. And we're all jealous of you. It would be easy to assume that all wandering is a result of sin. And to be fair, the Bible does describe many moments in the Bible when people do sin. And that sin leads to wandering. For example, when Cain murders his brother Abel, he becomes, quote, a restless wanderer for the rest of his life. Israel wanders for 38 years, 40 years, as a result of Moses' disobedience. It is true that wandering can be a bad thing. And yet, when you look at the complexity of Scripture, you also find that wandering is often also described as a result of following God. Uh, for example, in the book of Hebrews, there's this, this beautiful chapter. I just finished teaching a whole class on the book of Hebrews. It's fascinating to me how the Hebrews 11, that famous hall of faith chapter about all the Old Testament saints who loved God and they had all this faith. It's amazing when you read that chapter how none of the sin of the heroes in the Old Testament is described. The only thing that is remembered is their faith. And in the midst of that story, at the very end, the author of Hebrews says this, describing the faithful. Listen, listen to these words about the faithful. Quote, they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Notice the author of Hebrews goes out of their way to describe the wanderer as the righteous it's, it, it, this is one of those fascinating images in the Bible where both the righteous and the sinner <laughs> wander. This is basically what I think the Bible is saying. You're all going to wander because we all fit in one of those categories, if not both at most moments. The question is not if you will wander, 
The question is, how will you wander? I want to suggest to you this morning just some key thoughts, encouragements, church, as you wander towards Jesus. Number one, as you wander, Imago, as you walk through this season of ambiguity and paradox and challenge, number one, I want to invite you to remember your future. To remember your future. That may sound a little weird because we normally tell people to remember their past. But I want to invite you to remember your future. <clears throat> why was it that God brought Egypt, Israel, out of Egypt? Why, why was, what was God's vision for this whole thing? Why had he brought them out in the first place? God had brought them out because he longed for his people to be able to worship. God longed for this day when he would be able to take his people to this place called the land flowing with milk and honey. God had a future for his people, a glorious future. God didn't just have a glorious future for for them. Imago, God has a glorious future for you. Your future is a land flowing with milk and honey and life and worship and grace, and mercy. I I often tell people this when I speak in an environment where there's a transition. Often when a church is going through a transition, that is often when the church most intimately comes to know Jesus as the head of the church. Because right now, in this vulnerable state, Jesus is your Lord. He has been your Lord, but it just, you feel it more now. You can't lean on, on certain things. You, it's, there's, there's question marks. There's, that it, you know who understood this? Paul. You know, isn't it interesting that when Paul would start a church, he'd like leave within a couple months? You ever notice that? He'd show up and just start a church, and then he'd leave. Like, I mean, he, he was like the worst pastor ever. <laughs> the worst. I mean, you would not want Paul as your pastor. The longest he stayed anywhere was like three years. There was a guy years ago named Roland Allen who wrote a book on St. Paul's missionary methods. And he makes a comment. He says, actually, that is why, that is why the church in the earliest stages grew so stridently. In the year 100, there were about 30,000 Christians. In the year 300, there were about 30 million Christians. And there's a reason why. Roland Allen argues that Paul understood that had he stayed too long, people would have trusted more in him than in the Holy Spirit. I say to you this morning, church, in the midst of transition, remember the God who has a future for you. I'd love to talk with you afterwards. We tend to be so fixated, don't we, on the present. I mean, it's natural. We, we are, uh, the psychologists, sociologists talk about what they call presentism, uh, this idea that we almost exclusively just think about the now. Um, Google something and they will give you the most recent facts. It's called recency bias. We focus almost exclusively on the present. And I can understand why. 
Life is crazy, it's hard, it's easy to focus just on the present. But one of Israel's greatest challenges is they forget where they're going. They forget their future. Um, it, at the university where I teach, I teach at uh, Bushnell University in Eugene, um, and one of our uh, counseling uh, department deans uh, in, the, uh, in the counseling department was recently talking to me about um, some of the facets of the mental health crisis that the Western world is experiencing right now. Um, and he pointed out to me, this was, this was really interesting, he said, um, w- <coughs> at this moment in time, counselors are having to find really quick ways to diagnose mental illness because there's so much need. And so we need really kind of diagnostic tools that can help us on, a, on a quickly. And he said to me that one of, the, one of the go-to diagnostic tools is simply asking a person a question. What do you look forward to in the next 10 years? And he said that very often the lack of hope is the sign of great need. I want to say to you this morning, remember the land God is taking you. You have a future. You have a hope. Don't forget your future. Secondly, remember your past. Don't just remember the future. He is, God is the, the God of the, al- he's a, uh, of the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Lord of your future. He is also the Lord of your past. And th- this becomes actually one of the, the ongoing challenges for Israel is they either tend to forget the past, you and I could call that theological amnesia, or they worship the past. You and I would call that nostalgia. They are often torn between these two things, between forgetting what God has done and worshiping things that happened in the past. This is why God is always saying, remember, I'm the God who brought you out of Israel. I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget those moments in the past when God showed himself as faithful to you. Because the same God that was faithful to you then is going to continue to show you his faithfulness into the future. Don't have amnesia about the past, what God did for you back then, but also don't worship the past. And did you notice they make this really weird comment? You you probably just kind of went past it. They make this comment about Egypt, this, this, verse five. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? This place, which is terrible, has no grain, figs, pomegranates, and grape leaves. You go, what, what? Why are those categories of fruit so important? It turns out that ancient rabbis had all four of those categories of fruit were considered fruit that potentially could have been fruit in the Garden of Eden. Let me translate what's going on here. They are looking at their time in Egypt and thinking about it as though it was Eden. This is a human, we all do this. Have you noticed, just, we do this all the time. It is always the good old days. Nobody ever says these are the good present moments because they're not. Life recently has often felt like hot garbage to me. I very rarely will say, well, these are the good present days. It's almost always the past. But you know, let's be honest with ourselves. If we went back and watched the tape, they weren't that great. You know why they feel great? They feel great because they're done. 
They feel great because you can trust the past that it's finished. It only feels great because it's done. But at the time, it was terrifying. We are so nostalgic. We look in the past and we go, all those beautiful, glorious, awesome things, and then we create an idol out of the past. And the danger here is that we are either forgetting or worshiping the past, but our task is not to worship our history. Our task is to worship the God of our history. Ecclesiastes 7, say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. It's really interesting. Israel is really impatient as they wander for 40 years. God, why don't you get us to the promised land faster? Why don't you get us there quicker? There's a reason they're struggling to be patient. Here's why. They saw the Red Sea. They saw miracles. They saw God rescue them from Egypt. They saw the Red Sea parted as they walked through. They saw the miracles. It's really hard to see the miraculous and wonder why God is taking his time. Friends, we usually love God for his sovereignty, but we can't stand him for his timing. And when you, when you know that God is a God of miracles, it's really hard to slow down. Because God can do anything in an instant. Can I remind you, go back to the very beginning of the Bible. When God created the universe, how many days does it take? He takes six days to create and a day to rest. Could God have done it all at a second? Yes! He could have done it all in a moment. It is God's nature to take his time. As hard as that is, in the midst of having to wait, God is forming a people. Number three, I invite you in this season to remember the power of your community. It, we, we actually see in this, in this text that the community can either have the power of worshiping God or it can have the power of quarreling, of arguing, of, of infighting, of growing impatient and being mean to one another and, and projecting onto their leaders their own frustrations with God. It is easy in a community for it to simultaneously be a place of worship and a place of quarreling and opposition. But leave no stone unturned, folks. Community matters. Being present matters. I have a lot of negative feelings about podcasts. And I gotta tell you, it's, I'm pretty hypocritical because I've got a pretty awesome one. I love my podcast. I think it's mind-blowing. I love it. But I gotta tell you, and I don't say this to make anybody feel shame, I'm worried at this moment in church history that we have replaced the embodied presence of God in a room together with a podcast. And as much as it's easier, I am not talking about immunocompromised individuals who we need to honor and respect and care for who cannot be in the room or individuals with needs. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm saying this. There is power in being together. Keep coming. I also invite you in this season of time to be very slow 
to quarrel. Seek the face of the Lord and find contentment. As hard as that is. Number four, in the season of time, recommit yourself, church, individually. Recommit yourself to total obedience to the voice of God. Now, you noticed it here in Numbers 20 because God told Moses, he gives him a very specific command. He says to him, I want you to speak to the rock. He says, I want you, I want you to speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? He strikes it two times and water comes out. Uh, a, f- a colleague of mine calls this biblical fracking. of striking the land to get water to come out. And, and actually, th- there's something to be said about the fact. Notice that Moses is using a violent act to bring life. And the truth is, folks, violence does not bring life. But God does tell him. He says, speak to him. What does he do? He strikes it two times. Now, here's what's amazing. <laughs> is Moses obedient to what God said? No, he disobeys. Does God still provide the water? Yes. Here's what's remarkable. We should lose sleep over this. God is faithful to provide for us even in the midst of our own disobedience. And this this story is all about the loving kindness of God. But you ask yourself, why would he strike the rock? Why? Why? Why not just do what God told you to do? He said, speak, and now you're striking. Why? Of course, the answer is, this is not the first time that God came to Moses and told him to do something to bring water out. In fact, if you go back to the book of Exodus, there's this story in Exodus 17. When God comes to Moses, and he says to Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. The people quarrel, they want water, and God says to Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to strike the rock, and water will come out. So God did tell him to strike it. Water will come out. And in Exodus 17, guess what happens? He strikes the rock, and water comes out. Why the second time when God says, would you speak to the rock, does he strike it? Friends, immediately we get a picture here about what disobedience often is. And I gotta tell you, often disobedience. Why does he strike when he was told to speak? It's really simple. Because he knows it works. And rather, listen, consider this. Rather than doing what God has said, Moses is doing what he knows works. Friends, in vulnerable moments like this, don't lean on on your own wisdom about what works. Be on your face before God and listen and what God says, do. It is easy to lean on pragmatics and the plan that we know works. It's easy to do that. But I think God wants to invite us to be people who are better at hearing his voice than simply following the things that we know that work. And the last thing I want to invite you to today is church, I want to invite you to rest in God's secret presence. 
to rest in God's secret presence. Uh, it turns out um, Numbers 20 is a rare moment uh, in, the New, in the Old Testament for Paul because it's one of uh, just a few Old Testament stories that Paul is going to write really clear commentary on. Uh, later on uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul, of course, was enamored. He knew the Old Testament forwards and backwards, but for some odd reason, when he writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, he says, he draws out this story and he, and he makes a really compelling <laughs> point. And he says this, he's talking about the Numbers 20 story, and he says this, he says to the church, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, and it's interesting, by the way, that Paul is calling a bunch of Gentiles an ancestor of the Jewish story. He is incorporating all of the Gentiles into the story of God. That our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and they all ate, listen to this, the same spiritual food and drink, the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that was with them and that rock was Jesus. Now, did Israel, know, listen to what Paul is saying. He's saying, you remember that story when Israel's wandering through the desert and, and, and Moses strikes the rock and they drink. You, you know who was there with them? Jesus was with them. And they didn't even know Jesus was with them. They didn't even know it and he was there. Friends, God's presence to you is not dependent on your understanding it. God is present to you even in your absence of mind, even if it's unclear. The greatest news in the world, the gospel tells us, is that your knowledge of God's presence is not a prerequisite for his presence. He is present with you, even when you don't feel it. They had no idea that Jesus Christ was with them in the desert. They had no idea. He was their secret gardener. I, I, this was, uh, for 10 years I lived in Portland, planted a, a really awesome church in town that's, that continues to worship in Milwaukee called Theophilus. It was ten, ten, ten of the greatest years of my life, and I, I loved every minute of it, most minutes of it. Um, it was an incredible season, and we lived just a few blocks from here, actually, and <clears throat> we had this garden in our backyard. We had found out that there was a way to garden. It's called Back to Eden Gardening. We didn't know this. There's a way to garden where you can lay a heavy layer of bark mulch or wood chips on top of your garden and you won't have to water your garden. And when you live in Oregon and you go vacation stuff, that's like the greatest news in the world because I'm just sick of watering my garden. And so guess what my wife and I, we, get, we go to the garden, we're like, okay, so we're gonna cover it with like this much uh, wood chips and, and we got, we're never gonna have to water again. This is like a God-given gift from Eden. We're gonna do it. Our tomatoes will blow everybody's mind. And we cover it up and we go on a one-week vacation. And we come back and I come back to my backyard and my garden is just like Eden. My plants are growing plants. And the fruit, the, I mean, the, the thing was just insane. I'm like, we, we figured it out. I'm standing in the back looking at my garden. And my neighbor, Tony, looks over the garden. And he says, looks like your garden's doing real well. 
I said, it's doing awesome. We don't have to water it at all. And he goes, oh, yeah? Yeah, I was watering it for you all week. Because <laughs> um, I just noticed you weren't doing it, so I've. secret gardener that even when it feels like you're lost there is a God of the universe with his hose over your fence watering your garden come on how we doing how we doing What was Jesus' first miracle? We're told the first miracle of Jesus, he turns water into wine at a party. Hmm. At a wedding. He turns water into wine. That's his first miracle. And when you read the Gospels, when Jesus is on the cross, you'll remember that one of the soldiers hands Jesus a sponge with wine in it. And he drinks it and then he is cut in his side, and what comes out of his side? Water. His first miracle is he turns water into wine. His last miracle, he turns wine into water. The rock has been struck. Ezekiel 47 says, there's a day coming when water will flow out of Jerusalem. There is only one time in the entire New Testament one water flows out of Jerusalem and it is as Jesus hangs on the cross. I say to you, church, you have a secret gardener. Drink deeply. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as this community continues on its journey towards the land that you have given to it, would you provide miraculously for these people? Would you lead them and guide them? Would you show them little lessons along the way that you have them to learn? We thank you for the faithfulness of God to this church. And we thank you for the faithfulness that you will continue to show to this church. Go with the Mago to the land that you've shown them. In the name of Jesus.